0: You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you That open your Bible at 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. Hallelujah. This morning we spoke about how God had given Joshua an instruction and everything that God does is on the basis of a written Word. Whenever Jesus did anything, He says, I don't do anything unless I've seen my Father do it. I don't say anything unless I've heard my Father say it. And sometimes we can read Scriptures and find out things in the Word and, you know, it's like when Jesus told the storm to be quiet. Uh, you you kind of just take it, well, that's one of His miracles. You know, did Jesus just wake up one day and He was lying in the boat sleeping and and they were all in fear and then they said, Master, don't you care? And He got up and thought, what should I do? Yeah, I know, maybe I'll try to keep the storm quiet. No, you know He got that from the Word. And we saw the Scripture where He says that God stills the storm. Whatever Jesus did, whatever He did was based on, on a written word, on a word spoken. Now, here's the thing. When he told Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8, to keep the word of God in the midst of his heart, to meditate that word, don't let it depart from his lips. In other words, keep speaking. Make sure the word's always on your lips. He says, and then do according to what's written and then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Now, why would God say, to take His Word and meditate on it. Well, that's the purpose God gives the Word. And what's the purpose of that Word? Just as Jesus said, it is written. Whatever He did was based on a Word that He received. See, the devil is a, he, he'll, he'll stay technical on it. He's looking for the error. If he's gonna tempt you, it's because you've got off the Word. I said, if he's going to tempt you, it's because you got off the Word. He's going to try and bring something. And if the Word, if if you don't uphold that Word, there's a gap that he can take. That's why when he first tempted Jesus, he said, it is written. Jesus responded with, it is written. What did the devil do? He came back with an, it is written. Let's just see how sharp you are with, it is written. Because that's how the first sin happened was when Eve said, God said, you may not eat or touch the tree. And God never said that. He said, you may not eat of it. Small technical fault, but that devil, he'll hold you to that technical fault. That's why Jesus had to stay with, it is written. And so even when the enemy tried to test him, he's trying to get him to trip up on that, because if he trips on that, the temptation would have gone through. But when Jesus came back with, it is written, Well, where did He get that? That's the written Word of God. Well, where did the written Word of God come from? Because God first spoke it. And in speaking that Word, the men of old heard those words and then wrote them down. And in hearing the Word and writing it down, it was for the purpose. God spoke so that it could be written and it was written so that you can speak. I want you to get that this weekend. God spoke so that it could be written, so that you can speak. So, in your lap, in your hands, if you have a Bible with you, that Bible that's maybe lying on the shelf, full of dust, it is full of it. Is written. I don't care. Well. I don't say that in a, I don't care, horrible way. This is, it doesn't matter, okay? It does not matter what your problem is. I don't care how big it is and how impossible it seems. There is, and it is written for that. Do you really think that you're gonna have a situation And God says, come to me boldly before the throne of grace to obtain graceful help in a time of need. And you're going to go and report to God and say, Father, this is happening in my life. This thing just came up and it's attacking me and I have this problem. And you're gonna tell God and He's gonna look at you with a blank face think, oh, I don't have an answer for that one. I don't know why I didn't think of that problem. You ever gonna catch God like that? No, he already knows what's gonna happen. Whatever is gonna come up in your life, he's already addressed the situation. And there is a scripture in that book that's gonna give you your answer. That's why it's important to spend time in it. That's why it's important to go back to the it is written so that you can get those scriptures and embed them in your heart and trust God for the promises. Because family of God, you are headed for great, great, great expansion. 2 Kings chapter 4. It happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there was a notable woman and she persuaded him to eat some food. And obviously that food was very good because it was as often as he passed by, he went there to eat more. This woman must be a good cook. And she said to her husband, Look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room in the wall and let us put a bed for him there. A table and a chair and a lampstand. And so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. So now this man of God has been coming regularly to them. She decides to up her partnership to more than just food. She's gonna give him accommodation. Everybody say partnership. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and he lay down there and he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. When he called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, say now to her, look, you've been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? And she said, I dwell among my own people. So he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. Hmm. She has no son and her husband is old. What's he saying? He's gone past his sell-by date. Nothing's happening. There's no life left. Do we have to go into more detail? So this would be equivalent to a doctor today looking at you and saying, you may as well adopt because you can no longer have children. I've already had a doctor tell me that. But praise God, evidently he missed something because he was looking at a three-dimensional report. See, I was aware of a fourth dimension. I was aware of some it is written. I had scriptures that said otherwise. And because I chose to go with the it is written, even when somebody in the natural was looking at me like I was some kind of fool, do you not understand how these things work? I didn't let that intimidate me. Family of God, what situation are you in right now? That maybe someone's given you a report and it seems impossible. Maybe you've dreamed a dream and it's been like the children of Israel that was stuck in Egypt for 300 years. There is a deliverer coming after 300 years. Really? When do we stop giving up? When do we stop expecting No matter what has come against you, family God, I want you to know God has given His promise. Maybe when you first heard it, you were still new here and you heard the Word spoken and you shouted and you got excited. Maybe you trusted God for something. You've sown your seed. You've spoken the Word. You're waiting on God. Maybe the enemy's bashed you often enough to start wondering, is this ever gonna happen? And he goes and he says, actually, she has no son. Her husband is old. And so he call, said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said, about this time next year. About this time next year. About This time next year, you shall embrace your dream. About this time next year, you shall be holding in the natural what only seems like an impossible dream right now. No matter how impossible it seems, it is manifesting in the natural. This three-dimensional world says you cannot have it. About this time next year, it is coming out of that fourth dimension in a tangible form. This time next year, you will hold in your hands a son. Who am I speaking to tonight? And she said, No, my Lord, man of God, don't lie to your maidservant. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. Are you opening your mind and your heart to hear what the prophet is saying? The Word of God says, believe the Word and you'll be established. 2 Chronicles 20:20. Believe the Lord your God, the Word, you'll be established. Believe His prophets and you will prosper. See, God has given that it is written. But then you have a man of God take it off the pages and then speak it. And the moment he speaks it, it is spoken, not just from information, but from revelation. I have declared it over you tonight. Those that have an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying. I'm not just reading to you some Scripture written on a page. I'm not just echoing something that some man wrote centuries ago. It is written. And if you will hear it this time next year, you shall embrace your dream. The days of empty dreaming are open, over. I said the days of empty dreaming is over. Stand up and say, I believe it. I refuse to give in to the enemy any longer. I am taking what God has said. The children of God, the children of Israel, they were all shut up encircled by the enemy. It got so bad, they started eating their children. And the king got angry. He wanted to kill the prophet. The prophet stood up. He says, this time tomorrow, there'll be so much food, it's gonna be cheap. There'll be enough for everybody. And a man stood up, captain of the army, and said, even if God himself Did it. I don't see it happening in 24 hours. You see, he was locked into three-dimensional thinking. If God does it, it's going to still take time. God doesn't have to be limited by time. God bypasses time. Jesus demonstrated that on the earth every time he did something. How do we feed 5,000 men plus women and children? Where do we find food to feed these people? Where do we find food? Now, the Bible says he asked the question not for information. He was positioning their hearts. Where do we find food to feed these people? And Philip's answer is 120 denarii is not enough. Now, you know English. When you were taught English at school, did they teach you about subject, object? It needs to clink up, isn't that right? Beginning of your sentence must match the last part of your sentence. Where are we gonna find food? 120 denarii is not enough. That doesn't match the question. Jesus didn't say how much do we have? Can we afford this? Where, where's a position? Where are we gonna find it? Now, if you're thinking three-dimensional, He's saying, where's the nearest cafe? Where's the nearest shop? Where are we gonna find food? No, He's trying to get them outside of three-dimensional thinking. Where? I want you beyond your limitation. Look beyond your bank account. Look beyond what your boss is paying you. Look beyond what you're able to do in the natural. See, 120 denarii, denarius is one day's wage. That's time, 120 denarii is time. It's talking about four months of work. We're gonna have to work for four months before we can pay for this kind of meal. And Jesus says, what do you have? What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? I've got nothing. What do you have? Just the staff in my hand, that's fine. If you lift it up, that ocean, that sea will open up. If What do you have? What do you have? Just a little bit of oil. Well, that's enough. Find some pots, but not a few now. Find as many pots as you can. What do you have you see as long as you understand the fourth dimension you'll never again be limited by what you have in your hand you'll understand if I have something in my hand it's not about what's in my hand it's about what's in my heart it's about what can I see because if I can see into the unseen then whatever I don't see by seeing it I can bring the unseen on the scene but there has to be an action there's a punch that takes place the moment I take what I do have and I deliver it, even though it may seem like impossible to match, just by me, by doing my part in action, you access that fourth dimension. All we have is five loaves and two fish, but, see, as the but, three dimensional thinking, what is it amongst so many? How's it ever going to go? I've oh, got something, but there's more people here. So Jesus says, give it to me. What does he do? He lifts it up and he accesses the fourth dimension. He blesses it. The moment he speaks that blessing onto that, it is now propelled into a whole nother dimension of operation. And then He takes off that bread and those fish and He splits it up and He puts it in the hands of the disciples. Now you've heard me say this before, but for those that haven't, a lot of Bibles have a little heading that says, Jesus multiplied the bread and fish. But you go read the, the, the Scripture, the written part. He didn't. All he did was bless it. Then he put it in the hands of the disciples, and they distributed. Now, if they was locked into just thinking, three-dimensional thinking, Jesus just gave me a little bit of bread. Now, how far do you think five loaves got split amongst twelve of them? Two fish. You might have a nice little piece of fish, but you know, you look like there's a lot of people here. Maybe I'll just eat what I have. There's nothing left to work with, and so that one he, he took of his, and he said, "Would you like some?" And he broke it and gave it to that one, and then he looked and he still had, and then he took of that broken. Would you like some? and he looked and after doing that he looked and he still had and then the person who had he said to the person behind him would you like some yes so he gave him a little piece of it and then he looked and he still had and, and then the next one and he broke and he gave and he looked and he still had and then they broke and gave and he still had and then he broke and gave and he still had now, now I have to ask you where's this stuff coming from? Where, where is this coming from? Because every time they broke, had, well, maybe I can eat some. And so they ate a little bit. Okay, can I give? But He still has. And everybody who ever got in their hand, and as long as they kept giving to someone else, they always had. And as long as they kept giving to the next one, they always had. The one that was giving never, ever, Ran out and he could nibble a bit and nibble a bit. And thought, well, I may as well eat now because eventually I'll come. Do you want? No, I, no, no, I'm fine. I still got. It. And you do. No, I've also still got. It. Well, maybe we can eat it then. And so they ate and then, no, do you want more? Well, maybe just a little. And he gave it. And, but then they had and they kept going and kept going, kept going, kept going, kept going. going. Where's this all coming from? Until eventually I went, Do you want more? No, I have enough. Do you want? I'm, I'm, do you want to eat now? I'm, I'm done, man. I'm full. Not, yeah. I, I'm finished. You understand? Yes. Hey, they, the Bible says they all ate to their full. Amen. And you would think that at that moment they would look and there's nothing left. Ate the last bit. God knows how many people there are there. Then Jesus says something interesting. Now gather up the fragments. There's 12 baskets left. Why would Jesus do that? Now, we've always taught, well, that's a little boy's seed. So he sowed his lunch and he went home with groceries. (laughs) That is true. I believe the more I'm studying this, Jesus wanted to show them because if he didn't do that, we could have said, well, maybe those five loaves and two fish spread and everybody just got enough and then it was just enough to eat. If, if, If he had finished off and said, gather up and found five loaves and two fish, Well, you know, no, no, there was more than the five loaves and the two fish. What's Jesus saying? Where do you think this came from? See, you have to be able to access that realm. But the way you do it is by not trying to work out how we're going to do this. If God gives you an instruction, let me rephrase that slightly. If you think you hear an instruction and then you go work it out on paper and you got enough in the bank for it and you got all the ability to do it, I wonder if that came from God. Because there's something about God that He wants you to know He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or even think according to the power that works in you. Ephesians 3.20 Now, if God's going to do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think, it's got to be exceedingly abundantly above what you ask or think. Which means when you've checked the bank, it's above that. When you've checked your ability, it's above that. When you've checked your education, it's above that. When you've checked your boss's ability to pay you, it's above that. When you check your ability to do whatever God's called you to do and you know there's nothing in you to be able to do that. That's when you're accessing the fourth dimension. Now you're starting to think 4D. You have to get to the place. All of us. Me too. We have to get to the place. We stop trying to figure it out. I just don't see how that's possible. That's why we stuck where we are. Too busy trying to think. It's knowing when God has given His Word. It is written. That settles it. You've heard me say this before. People have always spoken about God said it, I believe it, that settles it. I made a decision. If God said it, that settles it. Doesn't matter if you believe it or not. God is God. He will have His way. With or without me, I've chosen to be on His team. I've chosen. To be with him because with God all things are possible. Come on, have you ready to live that kind of level? About this time next year, about this time next year, about this time next year. Romans chapter four, verse 13, the promise that Abraham would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Now, before we carry on reading, I just want you to write this scripture down, Galatians 3.29. If you are Christ, anybody here belong to Jesus? Let me see. Say, I am Christ. Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Are you in Christ? Say that. I am Abraham's seed. Now with that in mind, have a look at Romans 4 verse 13. The promise that he would be the heir of the world. The heir of the world. The heir of the world. Not the heir of just some little piece of land. Abraham inherited the world. Was not to Abraham or to his seed. Are you Christ's? Notice the word "their seed, is singular. Speaking of Christ. That's you. Say, that's me. But through the righteousness of faith, you are the body of Christ. For if those who have the law, as faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. In other words, if you can do it in the natural, then what's the point of faith? That's what it's saying. Verse 15, the law brings about wrath, for there's no law, there's no transgression. Verse 16, therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. Now, Romans chapter nine, we won't go there, Remember when God told Abraham that you're going to have a son. Remember that? And what happened? Decided to have Ishmael. I just want to put that out there. Because what I want you to hear is the word says that when you speak of Ishmael, he spoke as the son of the flesh. Isaac was called the son of promise. So if you think of that, the son of the flesh, that's the natural ability. That's within natural man's understanding. Son of the promise is what we're talking about here. Verse 16, it's according to grace so that the promise is sure. But also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who's the father of us all, verse 17, as it is written, as it is written, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of God, whom He believed, now listen to this, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God calls things that are still in the fourth dimension as if though they were already in the third dimension. Calls things that do not exist as though they did. Abraham, you are now Abraham, you are now the father of many nations. But his body is dead. Cannot produce anymore. Pass sell by date. Sarah's body, same thing. Womb is dead. But God says, I am bringing you a son. Verse 18. Abraham, who contrary to hope, that's three-dimensional hope, in hope, fourth-dimensional hope, believed. So that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now listen to verse 19. Not being weak in faith, he did not consider the three dimensions. His own body already dead since he was about a 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in, strengthened in, strengthened in, faith giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God had promised, God was able to perform. What God had promised, God was able to perform and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now get a hold of this. When he was about 100 years old, what's about 100 years old? 99. That's about as close as you're gonna get to about 100. Now what happened? Abraham wasn't always strong in faith like this. There was a time that he was stuck in 3D thinking. Because God gave him a promise that you're going to have, I'm going to make you a great nation. That was around the age 70, 75. And he's waiting. Nothing's happening. God said, you have a promise, you will have a son. So what happened? Obviously they must have spoken about it. Him, Sarah, and they were, well, praise God, then we have a son, then we have a son. But you see what happens when it looks like there's a delay, when it looks like nothing's happening, if we don't stay with it has been said, what happens? We get off of the promise and we drop back to 3D thinking. And Sarah in her three-dimensional mind, came up with an awesome solution. She came and said to Abraham, I know you've been waiting for your son. God has promised your son. I've come up with a plan. Why don't you sleep with my servant, Hagar? And Abraham must have thought, that's a great idea. Because he decided to go ahead. God has promised, there must be a way for us to work this out. But you notice God's response? That was called the son of the flesh. In fact, you keep studying And you'll find out when it came time for God, when He said it's time to offer Isaac, He said, take now your son, your only son. God doesn't recognize what's produced in the flesh. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and He is the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him and whatever's not of faith is sin. When we think we can help God out, we become the God. Are we superior to God? No. If He said it, He does not need help. I said, if He said it, He does not need help. And so all those years later, God comes to Abraham and He tells him once again, I need you to come into agreement with me. And the only way we're gonna do that, you should have been confessing this on your own, but now I'm gonna help you do it. I'm gonna change your name and you will no longer be called Abraham, but from this day on, you are Abraham. And in the Hebrew, it means the father of many nations. And when Abraham embraced that, if God says that, and He started speaking that word, I am the Father of many nations. I am the Father of many nations. I am the Father of many nations. What happened? Faith rose in His heart. And you could say it this way, about this time next year, because it took that long, and, and Isaac was born. One year after God changed His name. One year. Are you hearing me tonight? Family, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying in the Spirit because the man of God is speaking to you. What is it that you've been waiting on? What is it that you've been believing for? Have you got that Word alive in your mouth? Is it something you speak about every day? Is it something you call on every day? Someone called Him Abraham, Abraham, Abraham. He heard it, He spoke it. He heard it, He spoke it. He heard it, He spoke it. Keep saying, don't let this Word depart from your mouth. When last did you say? When last did you call that promise? Did you call it this morning? Did you call it yesterday? Did you call it the day before? I'm calling you now. Begin, you need to start speaking it. You walk as if though it is yours. You make the decision. You act as if though it's done. And about this time next year, who am I prophesying today? When Janine and I were trusting for our first house here when we moved down, we were led to a home and we heard the Spirit of God say, this is our house, but it was way beyond anything we could imagine in the natural. But we trusted God. And we went and God spoke to us about the offer and we made the offer. An agent laughed at us. <laughs> I'm not making you an offer based on a thumbsuck. I've heard God speak. That is our house. And one day I was busy praying and I heard the Spirit of God speak in my spirit. And Janine and I went somewhere and we were going home and it was quite late. And there's, you know, when you drive home, you usually have a route. So You know, you don't even think about it when you're going to your house. There's a certain way you go. And all of a sudden I took a turn. And Janine said, where are you going? I said, we're going home. And she looked at me like, this is not the way home. And I said, we're going home. And we drove up to that house and I drove onto the driveway, right up all the way to the garage. I don't care if anyone's looking through the window, you're living in my house. I said, honey, we're home. And she got it. She lifted her hands, praise God. Yes, we are home, hallelujah. And then we said, now let's go where we're sleeping. And we drove to our temporary abode. And we started doing that. Every, I didn't care how late it was, where we were going. Not once did we decide, well, i just gonna go home quickly because that's not home. Every time, you, when, when you decide when you've left work or whatever, you're going home, then go home. That's what we did. We went home and we said, we're home and let's go sleep over there. And then we drove back the other way. We did that regularly every time we went out. Heavenly God, it wasn't long after that, we got the call and it's yours you got to see that. Give God praise. you got to see it about this time next year. What is it? What do you have in your hand? What is it that you're about to put out there? What is it that you're going to act on? Where are you going to go? Where are you living? What are you, where are you working? Where's your place of work? If you know you're going to work somewhere, then go to work and then go to this other place that they're still trying to keep you somehow pay a salary. But no, my time here is done. I'm going over here. Where is it? Uh, If if you know God's led you to be the CEO or the manager, then just arrive a little earlier and go and sit down in the desk. And then if he walks in, no, I'm busy just helping you just pack, clean up, tidy. But that's my desk. Hallelujah. Are you with me? That's why Joshua keeps sitting in my chair. What is it? You know what it is. I said, you know what it is. I want you to stop thinking in that three-dimensional limitation. I don't care what's in your bank. I don't care what your education is. I don't know what, care what your ability is. Know this about this time next year. Stand up on your feet and come on, give Jesus praise. Praise Him like you believe it. Praise Him like you receive it. Come on, give Him glory. Give Him glory. There's a multiplication happening. There's a multiplication happening. Uh Uh-huh. There's a multiplication happening. I tell you. Million flow. Any millionaires here? This must be the billionaires then. Are you ready to grab your house that God's given you? About this time next year. Uh huh. Are you ready for that job that pays double what you're earning? About this time next year. I just don't see how, even if it was God. The problem with that, man, the prophet said, yeah, it's going to happen, but you won't eat of it. And he ended up dying. it took 24 hours. Hallelujah. A dream that's in your heart. Embrace it. Embrace it. When we were trusting to fall pregnant after doctors had written us off. Janine went out, said, if I'm going to hold a baby, then I need to hold it now. And we set up, she went and she got the clothes for the baby. If we have a baby, the baby needs clothes. You heard Joshua, we make sure our children are dressed. And then what she did is she took, baby powder, and put it in the, in the clothes because she likes the smell of fresh babies. They're freshly cleaned. and does, I mean, How do you know what I'm talking about? How do you like that baby smell? And she would hold that baby grow and smell it and she could see her baby, she felt her baby, she smelt her baby about this time next year. And there, our baby stands holding two of her babies. Come on, give Jesus praise. And then all our other babies came along. And all their babies are coming as well. You getting this? Hallelujah. You have it.